Welcome to Adult Bedtime Stories. Are you ready to experience nocturnal emissions? Join us in a sex-positive awakening adventure to help create a sex-positive world. Become part of a movement and start living a sex-positive lifestyle free of sexual shame and guilt. Adult Bedtime Stories is a Raven Slayer production. Adult Bedtime Stories is a show dedicated to bringing sacredness back to our sexuality and to learn about everything sexual. Allow the beautiful sexy creature within you to emerge. Each week the focus of the show will be on a different sexual topic designed to enlighten you so you develop more fully as a sexual being. This is a sex education that you didn't receive in high school but should have. Imagine for a moment that we could change the world and live a sex-positive lifestyle. In our sex-negative world, the process of socialization teaches us to feel shame and guilt around sex. By adopting a new set of attitudes and values around sex, we can view sex with a new understanding, which is accompanied with positive emotions and the attitude that sex is a sacred act. I am Mighty Boy Chi-Chi, a sex expert a life coach, and a sacred harlot. My life vision is to create a sex-positive world through adult education and BDSM performance art. Hello and welcome. You're listening to Adult Bedtime Stories. I'm Lady Boy Gigi, and I have Paul with me tonight. Hey guys. <laughs> and Paul's got the topic for tonight, and I'm going to let him kind of introduce it. Uh, so, I wanted to introduce the topic of exploring our kinks. Right now, in this time where we are all sequestered on our own and have a lot of time at our hands, I thought that it would be a good time for everyone to maybe explore some of the kinks that they have that they haven't explored before. These may be things that are kind of at the, the, the deeper parts of who you are, the parts that you don't look at a lot, things that you might find really erotic and really enticing, but you, you haven't really had the, the time to explore or the courage really to explore before this. So one of the things that I've learned through my training with Gigi is that there are 
hints that we have that while they might be kind of scary to explore, that can be really fulfilling and can really help us to untangle some of our more, the parts of our personality that are tangled up in shame and in, like in darkness. And these are not unhealthy things to explore as long as we explore them in a healthy way. And right now, with the situation that everyone finds themselves in, is a perfect time to kind of explore those parts of our psyche that we've not been able to plumb before. And I can tell you from personal experience that it can be really, really freeing and also can help you deal with issues of self-loathing and fear of your own self that you might not even know exists. I know when I went on, started on my journey into exploring, it was so scary at first. But I did discover that we have deep passions and desires. Mm-hmm. And for a couple of years, I tried to step them away. And it was just, oh. It, once I opened my mind and said, okay. I'm going to try this out. And I started out with a trusted partner. And it was like it opened a whole new realm for me. And I would talk about getting so horny and so turned on. (laughs) I mean, it's just, I had some of the most intense orgasms in my early explorations. It came from a place of just opening up those forbidden desires mm-hmm. <laughs> and really exploring some of the things that I always wanted to. And, you know, even as a little kid, I, I felt attracted to both boys and girls. And when I ha- had my first experience after I came of age and was able to suck a guy's dick and have him suck mine. It was just, oh my. (laughs) I was just liberated and it was like this weight lifted off of me. And it went on from there. I got into BDSM. At first, when I first learned about it, I thought, oh, that's sick. Why would anybody want to do that? But Part of me deep inside was going, ooh, this, this intrigues me. <laughs> Scares me, but it intrigues me. Yeah. Got me real, I started having fantasies about being whipped and getting into a submissive mode and just exploring a part of myself that needed to play a 
as a submissive, to be able to give my power to another and to have him or her, and I've had both male doms and female doms through the years, but to become a boy toy sex slave and have my dominant use my body and abuse me and fulfill their sadistic Mm -hmm. fantasies and play them out on me and make me squirm in pain. Mm-hmm. And oh, it just get so. Uh, I just go so deep in the subspace and yeah. have these amazing experiences that were deeply healing and mm-hmm. really helped me overcome a lot of my early childhood traumas. Yeah. But even more so, it uh, hit me in a spot that was so primal and so amazingly, oh, it's hard to say the words. It's like, it's just such a fulfillment of my desires and to finally be able to explore some of those darker parts of my nature in a safe environment with people I trusted. And, you know, I think it's important that you do find play partners that you can trust and that you conduct these activities in a very safe environment with safe words and with with negotiations ahead of time and really going through the process of whether it's BDSM or doing the, some of the other fetishes. It's uh-huh. good to really explore it and with the people you, or person you want to get involved with. Yeah, and, and, I, I, and I think that's an important uh, first place to start is with, you know, even before you actively start exploring these things is finding the language with the partner that you have to be able to do it in a a safe and and insane way. One of the things that I know that on the show we we advocate for all the time is safe words. And you know that is very, very important, but it's important to to know the function of the safe words because there's a symbiotic relationship between dom and sub if you're going for bdsm which not not all of these things are going to be in the realm of bdsm but a lot of them fall under the umbrella of bdsm and if you are there's a symbiotic relationship between the dom and the sub and the dom needs to know that you can and will use your safe words when necessary so that they can trust that what they're doing is not going beyond your boundaries. And for a dom, you, you need to be able to trust that they will accept your safe word when, when you call it. So that's a thing that takes previous 
like there's a, a lot of communication that needs to happen before you're in the middle of fulfilling the fantasy. The fulfillment of the fantasy should be at the end of a lot of negotiation between a dom and a sub. And the dom should kind of already know or at least have a good idea of how the sub will react to the, the things that they are doing in the scene. And so like, I, I think that the point I'm trying to get to is that communication before you get into the scene is very, very important and will uh, really determine how successful a scene can be. And not, not only with BDSM, I remember when I first got into anal sex and receiving anal sex, that was very powerful. But before I even approached someone, I started learning how to do it safely, how to do it mm -hmm. uh, where it doesn't hurt, learn how to, the anatomy of my body and and then when I did finally get with the boy and have him come inside me, I got on top of him and took him in. And I said, once you're inside, well, once I'm warmed up fully, I'll let you go to town, but let me take you in. And that kind of built the trust and it helped, gave me the control yeah. to receive fully. Mm -hmm. And it felt safe. And yeah. there's many techniques you can use mm -hmm. for a variety of activities, but I think key is to learn all you can before you jump into it mm -hmm. and try it out. I know it was hard for me. I wanted to jump right in and mm -hmm. <laughs> do it. <laughs> mm -hmm. But it does take learning and discovering and there's some great resources out there mm -hmm. for all kinds of things just to name a couple of them there's websites and stores there's good vibrations out of california and they the staff are well trained to answer any questions and they've got not only toys but books and films and on all kinds of kinks and fetishes and mm -hmm. a lot of things that you might want to get into. And so I think the first step is learn how to do it safely, yeah. learn how to do it, mm -hmm. get to know what you're about to do. <laughs> and luckily we live in the age of the internet where, you know, even in quarantine, if there's a an interest, a, a fetish that you want to explore that you can get educated on the proper way to do it without having to interface with another individual and risk uh, your safety by, by being with another person. The, the internet is a great resource to figure out the safest way to to kind of approach any new avenue of interest mm -hmm. that you have. And and there's 
for for any fetish out there, there are whole communities of people uh, on the internet that only want to help to teach you how to engage in the right way as to fulfill your fetish. And one of the places you can find information is on FetLife. Because mm-hmm. that's a good source. It's a kind of BDSM and kink online service where you can meet people of kindred spirit that are into the things you're into. Mm-hmm. And they have different groups where they share knowledge and information. Mm-hmm. So check those things out. (laughs) Another online resource that people can check out is Reddit. You can type pretty much any fetish that you might have in and then write the word Reddit afterwards and find a subreddit that's full of people who are into that same kink. And I would I would suggest specifically on um, Reddit if you have some more de- detailed questions that that aren't really answered in the first few posts that you uh, look up. Uh, there, they always have the moderate the the moderators for the subreddit listed, and you can send a private message to one of the moderators and they can probably answer whatever questions that you have. Paul, what are some of the things you've gotten into that you really, uh, that became something amazing and special for you? <laughs> so there, there's been a lot of things. It, it, my, my whole like transition into the kink and BDSM world happened kind of slowly. I I got into this uh, mainly through masochism, but it wasn't until I was with you that I started, like, I know with you, I identified that uh, some of the things that really had been holding me back for a long time were I, I had had a lot of really negative experiences with my first forays into anything involving guys. And then I had a lot of really negative experiences with older guys. And I'd been molested a lot of times. And I actually, after a while, realized that I kind of had a fetish around molestation that like took me a long time to come to accept but after I came to accept that I had a fetish around it like things that brought that up in a weird way that was in a consensual way started to feel really good and helped me actually counteract a lot of the the negative that I had gotten from the initial cases of molestation. And 
by putting it in a realm where it was and it was consensual and I had safe words if I wanted to safe word out. And I was the one in control. All of a sudden, those things that held me back for years and years and years, I could use to turn me on and and get me really hot and bothered and and make sex better and uh, it was really empowering to be able to like learn how to take those things that had hurt me in the past and make them work for me and because a lot of the work that you and I do like comes from a spiritual place like not only make them work for me in like a sexual way but like in a in a spiritual way that helped me build myself up and build my self-confidence and help me build myself stronger into a a more fulfilled and better person like that was so powerful and in a way that is almost it 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 defies words it's unfathomable how powerful it was once i retook the control of those things that had hurt me for for years and years and years that i had I had tried running away from it and ignoring it and, and and just not having it part of my life. And when I was in that part of my life, it was just this major block and I didn't even realize how much of my personality it had blocked off. But after I realized what was happening and then I further learned how to take control over it and make it work for me and, and and be like no this this is me taking power over all of those people who tried to exert power over me in the past like not only is the thing that you did not something that hurt hurt me but now it's a part of my strength now it's a part of what makes me me now it's it's a part of me like that was such a strong transition and really has predicated so much of the growth that that I've been through in the last two years it's absolutely phenomenal mm-hmm. <laughs> And I know for me, a lot of times, I kind of saw this in my father. He was a minister, and he had to take all this the negative feelings and stuff them away. Because as a minister, he had to appear as this devout religious man that was never got angry, never got upset. And then he'd come home 
And here I was, this ADHD, dyslexic kid all over the place. And anger would, I mean, he'd stuff all this stuff into inside and it would just come out exploding. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so, and the same thing I think applies when we stuff away our desires and think, oh, that's bad or that's wrong. Or uh, if others knew I was into it, they would think I was some kind of horrible person. And once I was able to embrace it and claim it as a part of me, it was so freeing and healing and having the safe words, the power that I didn't have as a kid mm-hmm. was so empowering to that hurt inner child. And all of a sudden that inner child became healthy mm-hmm. and became self-assured and became confident again. Yeah. And it sounds like that's some of what's going on with you. Oh yeah, definitely. Like especially like when it comes to the masochism, like there's a part of me that knows like through my masochism like because I've experienced such extreme pain in a completely consensual way that in a way it's going to be hard for anyone else to hurt me from this point on because the things I do for fun are painful like like if someone tries to beat on me and beat me up, like I know that I can almost like break the magic spell by being like, oh, harder. Like, yeah, more. No. Like, are 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 you teasing me right now? Like, no, like really come at me. Uh, and like that is a thing that gives me strength to know. Like that in and of itself. Mm-hmm. And I think another thing happens deep inside, or at least it happened for me, it was when I could own it and really acknowledge that part of myself and mm-hmm. say, yeah, this is a part of who I am. Mm-hmm. It, all of a sudden, I didn't see myself as the sick, demented, bad person. Yeah. And this weight came off my shoulders. And I, mm-hmm. it's like, especially when I came out as bisexual, it's like, yes, I'm bisexual. I love who and what I am. And there is this kind of transition that once you acknowledge and claim it within yourself, it can become power base within you. (laughs) Any thoughts, Paul? Yeah, like, I think that, so for for me, I know with my training with you, like, a big part that was hard for me for a long time was that when I thought about the 
thing, like some of the themes that I thought were very sexy because they involved violence, because they especially for myself involved a lack of consent. Before you, before I started training under you and you told me that I was okay, that I wasn't broken, that it was okay to have these fantasies. I felt so dirty and scared to even have these weird ideas that I knew were outside of what so many people thought of as acceptable. And I scared myself. Like, I was scared that I might, if I let myself go, just be a bad person. It was only after you gave me permission to have fantasies and like reminded me and told me that my fantasies can't hurt anyone, that, you know, nothing bad is happening inside of my head. It, it can't. It's only, it, 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 like, it's what you do with your fantasies. It's not the fantasies themselves that are, are, are harmful. And, and, you know, I, I was afraid that if, you know, I ever let myself go in fantasy land, like, like what I might do to, 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 to make these fantasies happen could, could be very harmful to myself or maybe to others. And after you gave me that permission to start having these fantasies and realize that they only exist in my head and that it is really only what we do with these fantasies and that if you find consenting parties that can help you play out these fantasies, that's great. And if they only happen in your head, that's also great, like whatever. But like that I wasn't, going to somehow become a, a terrible person by being a slave to these fantasies. Like, you have these fantasies. These fantasies don't have you. And, right. <laughs> like, coming to understand that and absorb that, then being able to allow myself these fantasies that might be violent, uh, that involved themes that even I thought were uh, despicable. Allowing myself to have these fantasies and realize that, you know, everything was okay and that I wasn't hurting anyone in these fantasies and that I wasn't allowing myself to be hurt. And then you know, when I would actually act out some of these fantasies with you because we had 
clear communication and worked it out ahead of time and you've had so much experience in fulfilling these fantasies for people in a safe, healthy, and sane way. Like it was so freeing, it was so liberating and it relieved all of this internal tension that I didn't even realize how prevalent it was inside of me and how much it was holding me back. Uh, and I think that's kind of at, at the core of what I'm trying to get out to other people that there are safe and healthy ways to interact with these things that we may have internally felt as like really unhealthy, unsavory parts of ourselves. Mm -hmm. And oftentimes in our culture, we're taught to stuff away all the negative, scary things, uh, to deny them and to not partaking them, even in fantasy. And I think what happens oftentimes, we bottle those up inside until one day they come out in inappropriate ways. And, and, and I think that's an, another big reason why I advocate for people finding healthy ways to, to, to deal with these things. Because if you bottle them up, they can come out in very unhealthy ways. Mm -hmm. And I think the other thing that it does is it opens ourselves into really understanding the real nature of that none of us are really good or bad 100%. We have good aspects, we have bad aspects. Mm -hmm. We're human beings. And one thing I've learned, and this is kind of from my pagan training, the darkest shadows occur on the brightest of days. Mm -hmm. The night sky, the stars light up brighter on the darkest of nights. Mm -hmm. And there is this kind of balancing between light and dark that makes us complete it's just how we utilize it and how we play with it and yeah. that's part of the power of bdsm is to get into role play in a safe contained environment mm -hmm. where we can let out the monsters to play a little bit yeah. whether it's a sub or it's a dom and mm -hmm. sometimes I mean, I love my sadistic side. I love feeding it. <laughs> it's so delicious to make us submissive squirm <laughs> in pain. And it gets my dick so hard. It's just so amazing. <laughs> so when we kind of explore these things, it, it opens the door to our inner passions and we can explore them safely. And I haven't, really i didn't keep track of when we started but i think we're probably close to station break <laughs> yeah probably i do want to remind people that you can get a lot of information on our website 
It's ravensfairleather.com. And one of the things you can get is a copy of my book, The Dominance Handbook, An Intimate Guide to BDSM. And in the book, I cover not just the physical aspects of play, but the psychosexual aspects, how to get in the right headspace, how to create a safe container, a safe space to conduct this scene, and how to play it out safely, what you need, all the tools that occur behind the scene that are done not often you can go to a play party and you watch a scene and that's only about 10% of the scene. A lot happens before and after that feeds into the power and the dynamics of the scene. So I cover all the aspects of BDSM. But anything you want to add to our station break? So also on the website, there are lots of different training programs and uh, training videos that uh, will give a, a little bit more in-depth information into the kinds of things that we're talking about, broken up into different categories based on what your interests are. Um, there's also a link to our Patreon. Uh, where you can support us on a month-to-month -month basis uh, by donating whatever amount that you would like. There's also a link to our um, online community. Family of Choice virtual community. Mm -hmm. And on there, we are starting to run Aphrodite's Temple once a month, where we get on Zoom and we do discussions, we do workshops, and even some hands-on playtime. So check it out. Get on the link to the virtual community of choice, family of choice, and from there I post where and how to get on Aphrodite's Temple. Mm -hmm. Any other thoughts or announcements? Uh, nothing else that I can think that goes in the station break. Okay. Well, we'll get back to our topic then. And we're talking about all those delicious, kinky things to explore, those things mm -hmm. that really get you turned on, and how to do it safely how to learn about it, where to go to learn about it. So, Paul, any other thoughts on our topic? I kind of want to get back to the topic at hand, depending on the situation you find yourself in. You might be exploring your own interests and fetishes and what makes you tick on your own, and if you are getting on FetLife and getting on Reddit and other online ways might be a way to go. But if you happen to be quarantined with a partner, this is a good time if you haven't explored your, your kinks with your partner before to start exploring what really 
turns you on and makes you tick and what might make your partner like really hot that you haven't explored before. And I think that when it comes to exploring those things with a partner, the main thing is communication and finding a way to communicate these things with the partner. And, you know, not everyone that is in a partnered relationship, you might have things that turn you on that you know might cause your partner issues if they've dealt with anything in a negative sense that kind of align with the things that turn you on or things like that. Before you go and just bring this up, it, it's important to talk about communication and how to have good communication with your partner about the things that turn you on and, you know, know whether it's even a thing that you want to bring up to them because some things could be legitimately distressing to your partner and could even cause major problems. And that's not what we want to do in this podcast. And I would like to say that oftentimes, because we live in a sex-negative culture, we pass too many judgments on things that are kind of outside the norm, so to speak. One of the ways that I've really embraced communicating with my partner on some of these more delicate issues was to first come from a place of total acceptance and love and confidence in who who I am and what I'm into. And to also explore and discover as I have through the years that often there's paradoxes and the things that look bad on the surface can be some of the most powerful and healing Mm -hmm. activities that we can engage in if done correctly Mm -hmm. and done with the right intentions and with good communications and with having good safe signals, mm-hmm. we can really reach a whole new level of our whole existence and who we are in our inner being mm-hmm. and grow and develop. And I know these things have happened in my life as I've explored. And they have just empowered me and healed me at levels that's hard to describe. Mm -hmm. I think also the other benefit of sharing with your partner is that they too may have things that they want to get into that they haven't shared with you. And by opening the door, you can communicate and learn about what turns each other on. Too often in long-term relationships, sex becomes stale and old and goes Mm -hmm. to the back burner. And there's a lot of people that are living sexless relationships long-term because Mm -hmm. the spark died. And by exploring some of these things, you can 
reignite that spark. <laughs> yeah. You never know. It might be that the thing that you're really into that you feel is this huge burden on you because you think that your partner would hate it. It might be that their biggest secret is that they want to be on the other side of that exact same fetish. And you will never know unless you bring it up. Mm -hmm. <laughs> How you bring it up is as important as bringing it up. Get yes. from a place of having good confidence in yourself. Mm -hmm. Show both sides of it. Show the positive and the negative. So yeah, this could be looked at, BDSM can be looked at as really negatively. But here's the other side that I discovered. I really like uh, how Dan Savage talked about this because you said too often when people bring up kinks to their partner, they bring it up as this big dark secret like I have this confession to make to you. I have this thing that's terribly broken in me. You're going to have to do this and that. And that's the wrong way to frame it. Frame it as an exciting thing, like, hey, this is a thing that you can do with me that's exciting and enjoyable. Because a lot of times the way that we frame things when we tell our partners about it has a, a huge impact on how they receive it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I think, too, it's really good to open these doors of communication. When we become a little bit more vulnerable with our partners, we open the door to greater bonding and connection. And we can become more knowledgeable in each other and explore and really form these deeper living trust. It's one thing to say, oh, I trust you. It's another thing to become vulnerable and live your trust and mm -hmm. put it out there. And that can be very empowering. <laughs> mm -hmm. And it can help create a deeper connection and a deeper bond between you and your partner. Mm -hmm. I know that in our training that that has been a huge theme for me is in it, it took a lot of trust in the beginning to put into you to, to do things, but as we trained more and more and you did more and more things with me that you knew were um, you knew were outside of my comfort level, but you did it in, with intention. You communicated with me the whole way through, and like there are many times that if. I had had an experience with you months or years before I had it with you, I, I would have had to give up my 
relationship with you because I, but like because it was an incremental thing that pushed into you uncomfortable things because we took the time to take the steps to get to the place where I could be comfortable enough to let you put me outside of my comfort level and see the beauty in it, it wound up being amazing and beautiful and transformational and like a huge like energy working and sex magic and beautiful instead of terrifyingly traumatizing like it could have been if we didn't take those steps in between. Mm -hmm. And communication is all key, but also that trust building. Mm -hmm. It's taking the time to take it slowly. Don't just jump into hardcore stuff right off the bat. Take some time to explore and to take incremental steps into the world of kinkiness <laughs> and go at the rate of your partner don't try to push it faster than they're ready to take it mm -hmm. give them the challenge definitely say hey i want to challenge you a little bit but don't say oh you have to do this <laughs> and i i will say one of the things that you did as a dom uh that may have been frustrating at first but I really appreciate in the long run that you did is that um, when you first started working with me, you, you didn't push as hard as you could have. And, you know, there were times that I almost felt like a little bit like, ah, I want more than what you're giving me. But that was you taking the time to really make sure I was ready for what happened next. And after time, I realized like, oh no, there will definitely be times that you're, you're pushing me. And that was good. But like, I think the initial, like you going a little bit lighter and, and easier, like even more than, I know that at first you realized that I would be left kind of unfulfilled, but you wanted to take the right steps. And I think that that was incremental in like the success of our later relationship. And I think that applies to everyone. You don't want to just push someone too hard too fast you want to take it gradually and become more accustomed and more into what you're doing and read your partner's body language read your partner and where they're at don't just go off the deep end so to speak mm -hmm. <laughs> mm. Uh, any other thoughts on 
And I, I know there's so many different kinky things we can get into, not just BDSM, but I know that everything from foot worship to even foot fetishes and all kinds of kinky, fun things to explore. It still takes setting the stage for it, really creating a safe and mm -hmm. uh, communicative environment. Yeah, and that's really a lot of where it where it's at is communication, and I I find that it's especially important for people who've been with each other for a very long time and maybe their communication had been a lot more thorough at the beginning of their relationship and then once you get into this comfortable groove I think a lot of times people kind of fall out of communicating as clearly with their partners because they assume that the other person is on the same page, even as they might have undeclared desires and wants, where people get so much into like a comfortable like holding pattern that they almost don't communicate anymore. And I think that's the point in the relationship where it's most important to set up more open lines of communication if you want it to last in the long run. And also to give each other that challenge and that uh, kind of new explorations. Oh, yeah. Because that's the spark that will refuel mm -hmm. your connection. Well, bring you closer together at a deeper mm -hmm. level. <laughs> and this can be very powerful. Any other thoughts on our topic? For all those out there who are exploring whether you have a, a very good idea of the things that you're into, or if you don't, like particularly if you don't have an idea of what makes you tick, don't let that turn you off to this process because I think I was stuck in that position for a while that I knew that I was an alternative person I knew that my tastes probably weren't normal, but I had no idea what they even were for years and years and years. And I just kind of had to keep an open mind and an open heart. And luckily, I wound up making friends with kinky people that enticed me into trying things that I never ever in a million years thought that I would try, much less enjoy. Like if you find yourself not knowing what turns you on or what makes you tick, but you're 
you've got an open mind and a and an open heart, you're in the perfect place. You're exactly where you need to be. You don't need to know what those things are. If you keep an open mind and an open heart and keep on listening, eventually you can find the things that make you tick. And I think having that open mind and open heart is so important. And we've talked a lot about kinky sex, but there's also a lot of sexual taboos out there. And I know for a long time in the BDSM community, it's very taboo to bring in spiritual elements and to practice spiritual BDSM or spiritual sexuality. And whether you're into be want to get into BDSM or not, some people hold back from the spiritual sexuality because it is so taboo in many cultures. In fact, in our mainstream culture, the equation is sex equals sin. But in ancient cultures, they saw sex as a sacred act, as a type of transition into the spiritual. And through sexuality, we can have very profound, deep, meaningful sexual experiences that take us to a deeper contact with the universe or the divine, the, the, <laughs> the powers that be. Mm-hmm. Um, we've got many different faiths out there mm-hmm. and religions. And so often in, in every known religion, there's always been a subsect that practices some form of BDSM. Now they don't call it that. It may be called like self-flagellation or fasting or sleep deprivation or any number of other practices. But it's basically getting into these practices to reach spiritual enlightenment. Yeah. And so even sexual I mean, spiritual sexuality has been practiced for thousands of years through tantric sex and through Taoist sexual practices. Mm -hmm. People have learned and developed and grown at spiritual levels that have been profound through the practice of sex magic and and sacred sexuality. Mm-hmm. Any thoughts on on the breaking the taboos and exploring taboos? So I know that it was one of the things that was in, instrumental in my growth was because you know a big part of it, like I said earlier, was feeling like somehow the the fantasies that I had because I knew 
in a way, like especially towards me, they were toxic, that I was engaging in toxic behavior by having these fantasies. But I didn't really understand that, you know, there's a healthy way to to engage in things that touch on the same things that the toxic aspects touch on that are not toxic. And like learning that I could interact in those ways in healthy ways that, that didn't hurt me, like it was extraordinarily important in my growth. So, you know, uh, dealing with those taboo things was very important for me. And I think is a thing that a lot of other people avoid, especially since a lot of the reasons that people wind up being attracted to these taboo things that touch on unhealthy aspects of humanity, avoid it is because they're afraid that the very act of acting on the things that turn them on are inherently toxic in the long run. And getting over that idea is kind of important to a lot of people. Mm-hmm. And oftentimes it's through the breaking of it to be that we really empower ourselves and mm-hmm. discover a whole new aspect of ourselves mm-hmm. and become more well-rounded, complete person. I know I've become a much more complete ladyboy Gigi as I've embraced so many different areas in my life and pursued mm-hmm. them. And, and I've even tried some things that, oh, no, don't want to go back there again. But I tried. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so it is, we're not born with the instruction manual. Mm-hmm. We don't have much guidance in that sense. And Our way to life is to try things out and see what works for us. And, and yeah. that might be another thing that, you know, might hold people back from um, exploring some of these things, especially if they're things that their partners are into, but they aren't, is the thought that if you try it once, then it has to be like a mainstay of what you do from now on, which is not the case at all. Like, I know that a lot of the training that you put me through has been, uh, you know, trial and error. And most of the things we've done together I've enjoyed. But I know that there have been certain things that I wasn't super into and I had to express that to you and either explore why I didn't feel comfortable with it and you know maybe eventually get comfortable with it or then or come to the realization that it was just not 
a thing that we could do together in a healthy way. And I think that a lot of times people, you know, are worried if they try something and then they don't like it, that then somehow they've messed up or then there's this big conflict when, you know, you can try something and if it doesn't work, it doesn't work and you never have to do it again. Yeah. And I think there's another thing that I had to overcome, and this comes from my childhood Christian upbringing. There's this kind of sense that if I suck the guy's dick, even once, I'd be tainted for life. I'd be branded. I'd be evil and bad. And mm-hmm. and somehow it, that just that one action would ruin me forever Mm -hmm. and no it doesn't (laughs) I've done things I've explored things yeah I wouldn't want to go into it again but I discovered what works for me and doesn't work for me through this process before I got on this process I had no idea what I was into Mm -hmm. I had to try things out and see does this work for me? Some things I had to try out a couple of times. Mm-hmm. And some things that I was most fearful of and were some of the biggest challenges at the beginning became mm-hmm. some of my favorites. <laughs> yeah. And I've experienced that too. I, there, there was a podcaster that I was listening to the other day that said something along the lines of, my desire to do a thing is often a poor indicator of how much I will enjoy it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I think we're coming, I haven't been timing us today, so, but I think we've been on for fairly close to an hour. (laughs) More than, yeah. Uh, is there anything you want to say to kind of wrap up our topic? Any insights that you've gleaned from this process? Well, uh, I, I think mostly I would like to let people know that as you're exploring and as you're like especially building up the courage to talk to your partner about maybe exploring something. I know that it can be a process that is filled with uncertainty that it might make you question. It can bring up some feelings of fear. I know for me, it brought up feelings of even inadequacy and and other things that these negative feelings that come with taking the courage to kind of draw back the curtain on your own psyche and who you are and what you're interested in that initial process can feel frightening, it can feel scary, it can make you want to 
quit the process altogether. And if you find yourself going through that, you're not alone and it's an okay feeling to feel. But if you go through the process and continue and are honest with yourself about what you want and what makes you work in the long run, it can be so healing. It can help you grow so much. It can help you learn so much about yourself. It can help you learn so much about your partner and be be just as generous with your partners as you would hope them to be with you. If it turns out they're into something that scares you or turns you off or makes you kind of think about them in a different light, take half a step and remember that they aren't a different person than the person that you love because they've given you a new piece of information and try to accept them for it. And if it's something that gives you fear or makes you trepidatious, explore why that is and go into it honestly with a full heart and a generous heart and just explore. And in the end, both of y'all might wind up in a better place for it if you have the courage to be honest with each other and explore. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I think for me, there is a beauty in diversity. And there's a creativity in diversity. It's when we think outside the box that we become more creative, we become more in tune and discover new aspects and new things in life. I know I've had some amazing experiences and when I first started doing a particular activity, there's times when I learned something that I didn't even expect to learn. Mm -hmm. Or I reached a place of ecstasy that I never dreamed even could exist. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I became just so alive and so vibrant and it sparked me at deep levels. Oftentimes when we go on this path, we're getting in touch with the primal, the things that we can't describe or put into words. Sometimes we get in touch with some of our deepest passions and some of the energies that open things up in ways that you never even dreamed were possible. I know that's happened for me. <laughs> so explore and enjoy this amazing diversity that's out there. Explore it with an open mind and come to it with the attitude of, hey, I want to check this out. 
see what it, if it works for me. We're all wired differently neurologically. We're all a little bit different and we have different interests, different tastes. That's to me is part of the beauty of the diversity out there. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so any last words before we uh, bring it to closure? Um, for the fellow explorers out there, I'm with you and I love you. And I accept you the way that you are, just the way that you are, without changing. You are okay. Mm -hmm. And that's pretty much all I have to say about it. And I think Star Trek got it wrong. Sex is the final frontier. Yeah. <laughs> uh, enjoy those nocturnal emissions. Bring forth those erotic pleasures. Give yourself permission. I certainly do. Enjoy and reach amazing states of ecstasy. Have a good night. Good night. I find it interesting that adults in our culture are not provided with informative sexual education. Even married couples don't have access to an adequate sexual education and how to pleasure each other. It's assumed that somehow we will instinctively know all that we need to know about sex. I don't know how you feel about this, but I think there's a better method. I would like to invite you to join me in developing a sex-positive lifestyle with freedom of sexual expression between consenting adults. Join us each week to learn everything sexual. Add your comments about the show and any suggestions you have for future show topics. We would love to hear from you. Be sure to subscribe to the show so you won't miss any episodes. This concludes this edition of Adult Bedtime Stories. Are you ready to experience nocturnal emissions? Sex is the final frontier. So explore everything sexual.